365 days a year. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and Diane Duver and I are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara, at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets, and at Montecito's Upper Village. At Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How are you doing today? Well, I bought some oil at minus $37 a barrel. You got paid to get some oil today? Yes, but I didn't know where to put it, so I'm having it delivered to your backyard. (laughs) You're, you're such a giver, Neil, such a giver. Yeah. Um, so, no, it's, it's really amazing how the world has, has, has turned. Well, we're talking about uh, oil being a negative, having negative value. It is, and it's, it's unprecedented. You know, I feel like that's the word of, of the month. Um, we've yet to see oil in a negative territory before, and here we are with oil prices down over $36 a barrel, which is, you know, the futures contract. So... We'll have the, to see. The, the, exactly. the only the only place where oil is expensive is Santa Barbara. I know, yeah, I know. I hear it's still close to three dollars a gallon to drive, but part of that's refining. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah. But we are thrilled to have with us today Eric Talkin, who is the chief executive officer of the Food <clears throat> Bank, Santa Barbara County. Thanks for being with us, Eric. Thanks for inviting me. And Neil, do we have some articles? We do. Um, And the first article is from this Sunday's Wall Street Journal entitled, When Buffett's Phone Stops Ringing. Uh, If the the, uh, coronavirus lockdown has frozen your investing plans, you're in good company. Charles Munger, who is uh, uh, the second senior partner at Berkshire, says that um, uh, one of the um, most important things an, an investor can do is know when to, quote, sit on your ass. And what he means by that is this is not a time to be aggressive. And the reporter asked Munger, uh, how have, uh, how's your phone been? Uh, in the last crisis in 2008, there was a, uh, a rush to Berkshire Hathaway for lifelines for many, many companies. And what he said is they're not calling. Um, people, as he said, are frozen. Um, and they just don't know what's going on. They don't know what to do. Uh, opportunistic investors aren't coming to them for uh, opportunities to invest because they just are fearful. And, you know, I think when I was thinking about this article, it made me think about what we're looking at for the future. And uh, one of the things that it, it, to me is, is, is uh, problematical is that we're looking at things that the government has done in the last couple of weeks to help the economy. And the stimulus program, which really is not a stimulus program, it's really um, a, an aid program, uh, giving $1,500 to people is, is really to help people overcome basically food shortages and, and maybe part of their rent for some very short period of time. But it's hard to believe this is going to be a short-term problem. And without um, a vaccine, uh, whatever happens in the next month or two, I think that there's a, and I think investors are afraid of this as well, you're going to go right back in September, October. Um, And so what you're looking at is a continued need for sustainable uh, 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 welfare. And at the same time, what's going to exacerbate the problem is people are losing their health insurance. They're not only losing their job and they're losing their income, they're losing the ability to pay for what they need the most now, which, which is health, health insurance. So when we talk about the stock market and we talk about people being frozen, I think there's a real reason here to be very concerned that there's not a real good short-term solution other than somebody miraculously coming up with a vaccine. 
Well, and I think, you know, when you look at that, the reopening plans will be very um, telling. And part of it is most of the reopening plans have been pushed down to the local levels. And so it'll be interesting to see how each different community handles reopening and what that means and whether or not if you had COVID-19, you then have antibodies and immunity to get it again. That will be uh, that will that that science science will be really telling and and helpful in moving us forward to this next phase. Yeah, but the problem is that if you don't have a vaccine, then you're going to go right back to where we were before we did social isolation and we had all of this unemployment. Uh, Absolutely, no... but there'll also be some some immunity if if there is immunity if you've had it, then there will be some by those who have already experienced this disease. Yeah, so you know, one percent of the population can go to work. I, anyway, it's it's really depressing, um, and um, I don't think that we have a uh, a roadmap that anyone can draw, and that's why the market has been all over the place. Which Absolutely, leads me in because the market doesn't like uncertainty, and there's nothing about this pandemic that's certain, and so so it it's going to continue to see this volatility. So the next article is sort of. Uh, leads right into what we've been talking about, and that is uh, the mental mistakes that active investors make. And uh, it begins by saying many amateur investors uh, remain active investors, either by investing on their own or buying actively managed funds, even though uh, over the last 10 years, an unmanaged fund has done better than the managed funds. And um, what the article talks about is uh, investors misframe the problem um, uh, of investing. And um, investors tend to look at investing and learning about investing the same way they look at driving lessons, cabinet making, or plumbing. They, you know, they kind of believe that you can learn a skill or trade, uh, but the difference between pipes um, and investing is there's no one on the other side of the pipe uh, trying to do the opposite of what you're doing. And um, they tend to, uh, beyond that, investors tend to frame their success uh, relative to zero rather than relative to what the market does. And if you ask an investor, which this article did, are you an average, above average driver? Um, uh, most people say, yes, they are. Um, and um, the same with investing. Are you a good investor? People believe that they are a good investor. And, um, uh, you know, investors tend to make one of the one of the other mistakes investors tend to make is that they search for evidence that will confirm their beliefs. So they tend to look at things that uh, agree with what their preconceived notions are. And yeah, uh, that confirmation bias is, is huge. Right. Um, and um, uh, they tend to look at the time frame of anyone's success uh, more narrow than they should. So, you know, if you go into a restaurant, which is not really possible today, but if you go into a restaurant, the quality of the meal tends to be the same with small variations over time. Whereas in the stock market, um, you may have five or six good years or five or six good meals, it's the analogy is talking about. But the reality is that doesn't mean anything. And so what happens typically is active investors tend to chase returns by switching to mutual funds, which have the highest returns tend to the ones that have lost money. And over, as we've talked about before, over many, many years, the average investor has done worse than the average mutual fund. So in short, basically I what think we have- though, really what, why that is, Neil, is because you have that behavioral finance piece where people are doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. So when markets are falling, they're selling. When markets are rising, they're buying. And no matter how you break this down, the way you make money investing is by buying low and selling high. And you can't do that with a rearview mirror. Uh, the last article we have, which I think is really sort of um, telling about, about uh, the, the virus and banks, is that investment banks um, did poorly when looking at the, the traditional metric of spreads, that is the spread between lending and borrowing rates. So they didn't do very well and loans they didn't do very well where they made a lot of money was in term it was trading because the, when the market as as erratic as it was in march uh spreads that is the difference between the bid and the ask price particularly in bonds and in stocks was so wide it gives 
middlemen an opportunity to get in the middle and make a big profit. So ironically, the banks did well uh, doing trading because the market was in such disarray, which is sort of ironic because the, the, the investment bankers are the ones that are supposed to add stability to the marketplace. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. There's an urgent need for safe childcare facilities for critical health care providers and essential food distribution employees in Santa Barbara County. The Emergency Child Care Project helps match essential workers' children with child care facilities. Here's Eileen Monahan. There's a priority for health care workers and first responders. That's the top priority. And then the second priority is People who are working in the food industry, the grocery outlets and distribution sites, the goal of this is to try to match employers who have essential workers with childcare providers who are open or who can be open and make sure that those children are really well cared for. It's a tough time for everyone and especially for children. If you're an employer of essential workers or if you're a childcare provider who wants to help, go to unitedwaysb.org and search for Emergency Child Care Fund. That's unitedwaysb.org, Emergency Child Care Fund. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And if you're just joining us, we have Eric Talkin, the CEO of the Food Bank for Santa Barbara County with us. Thanks, Eric, for being here. Eric has been the CEO for over 10 years and he has helped the food bank become an organization that moves people from hunger to nutritional self-sufficiency and health, both for themselves and their communities. So, Eric, I've got to imagine in this time of COVID-19 and people are losing their jobs at unprecedented rates, that the food bank has become more and more vital in people's um, worlds. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, of course. I think... Um... We reached a point probably in the very early part of May, when, uh, sorry, of March, when this crisis began to develop that suddenly uh, everyone in Santa Barbara County got a taste of what it's like to be food insecure in that you saw a lot of people rushing to buy, you know, multiple weeks of groceries um, because they weren't sure that they would be able to get food at the end of that month. So that kind of feeling is very much like uh, the same feeling a lot of people have um, you know, on a, on a regular basis in that they don't necessarily have the money to buy multiple uh, weeks of food. Uh, and there's a real question about where their food might come from at the end of the month. So I think I hope that when all of this is over, people kind of remember that feeling uh, and that we all work to make sure that uh, people don't need to be food insecure within the county. But obviously, it's been a huge um, change uh, in our lives, in the lives of many people here. Uh, we started off March with two warehouses, one in Santa Barbara and one in Santa Maria. Uh, we entered, uh, well, two weeks later, we had four warehouses, two in each part of the county. Uh, we have doubled the amount of food that we are putting out. We put out two million pounds of food since the middle of March. Uh, and we've seen the number of volunteers that we work with double. 
We have the National Guard involved. Um, so it's been a huge, huge change for us. So now in terms of, it sounds like like two, you, how many pounds of food did you say again? We have shipped two million pounds around the county since the middle of March. Wow. And so so is that a hundred percent increase from where you were? Uh, uh, it's, about, it's about a 65 to 70% increase. And so how do you go about distributing the food to those in need? Sure. Well, the food bank operates as kind of a, a large distributor in that we seek out uh, fresh food, healthy food from across the Western United States. We bring it into the county and then we store it safely in North and South County. And then we distribute it in two ways. One is through our own uh, programs, which mix education together with food distribution. And then also through a network of 300 nonprofit agencies locally who get all their food from the food bank. And the food, the food supply, is that an issue? Do you, you, you ramped up dramatically. Uh, were you able to do that because the, the growers didn't have another outlet for the food? Well, I mean, the food is actually a huge issue for us at the moment. Currently, we have 13 days worth of food at our current burn rate available to us. Um, so we're working very hard to try and get additional amounts of food from the USDA. Uh, we get about a third of our food from the USDA. Um, so there's been real gaps and problems with that. I mean, if you can imagine every other aspect of the federal response to this crisis, uh, food is the same as testing or masks or anything else that we're kind of months behind the ball. Um, so we're trying to fill that gap currently. Uh, I mean, we're lucky we live in Santa Barbara County and that this is in the top 1% of agricultural producing counties in America. So we have fresh produce. And in fact, the amount of produce that we've got from growers has gone up by 50% from this time last year. So, you know, growers are really stepping forward. But then if we look at um, the food that we get from supermarkets uh, in our grocery rescue program, where we send vans around to pick food up that's about to go out of date, uh, the percentage of that has gone down by about 60%. Um, so there's a large gaps there that we're trying to fill in many ways. And we've already spent a quarter of a million dollars on purchasing food in the last few weeks. You, you say that you get food from the USDA. I didn't realize that they had that program. Where, where do they get the food from? Well, they get it from farmers. You know, there's, um, there's surpluses that are developed. There are uh, incentives that are paid to farmers to grow certain items. Um, so, you know, long ago, the idea of subsidies to farmers and also nutrition programs was brought together in one ugly marriage, as it were. Um, so the two have been joined ever since, uh, even though farmers increasingly are growing soybeans or things that are eth for ethanol, et cetera, that are not necessarily appropriate. But typical uh, federal, federal nutrition programs and farm bills are normally very closely linked together. And that food comes to you for free when the, US, when the USDA provides food? USDA food comes for free, yes. And that's about a, a, a third of the food that we put out. And so when, when I'm reading in the newspaper about um, these major farms that, you know, have lost their buyers in restaurants and what have you, um, mm -hmm. the hospitality industry in general, and they're now destroying, you know, milk and eggs and zucchini squash, are those the types of relationships that you're trying to forge during this economic downturn and food insecurity? Uh, yes. I mean, those are the relationships that we you know, work on day in, day out, even before this crisis. So those type of situations, I think, are far rarer in California, where we're much more skilled at making use of excess produce. Um, so we purchase a lot of produce. Um, we have a program with all the other food banks in California called Farm to Family, whereby we uh, hire produce solicitors get together and then we purchase the seconds, the slightly you know, less beautiful California produce for pennies on the dollar and then ship it around to food banks around the state. So it's a very efficient program and it allows us to get different types of produce from all over uh, California. But obviously even that um, program is very stretched at the moment. Do you have the same kind of lines that we see on television in places across the country where People are lined up for hours and hours to get food. Yeah, I mean, what we um, time to let the dogs back in. I think. Um, 
We have um, 50 dist main distribution sites that are called SafeNet food sites. Um, so we're trying to spread out the distribution. Uh, if you look at large cities like Los Angeles, uh, they're having these huge drive-by distributions that take place uh, in um, stadiums, etc. Um, we don't feel that's a very effective solution for here in Santa Barbara County. So we do have quite a few drive-through um, distributions, but we're trying to spread them out uh, more widely uh, to make it more effective and more efficient for people. So when you say drive-through, is that basically people drive up and then you fill their, their or you put the food in their trunk? And yes, on yes. So uh, we, um, you know, they drive up, um, somebody puts the food in the trunk of their car, so there's never any kind of face-to-face -face contact. They keep driving along. So it's a very efficient uh, program. So we, we have those type of pantries, but then we, we mix it with you're able to walk up and pick up food as well because not necessarily everyone doesn't have a car. And so what is so when when I think about people out there listening and how, you know, how can they help? Is is it I've got to imagine it's more efficient for you if they donate dollars, but you're you, you will take food as well, right? Sure. Yes. I mean, obviously, with our buying power, uh, where we purchase food together with other food banks, uh, you know, we're very effective being able to uh, make a lot, uh, a dollar stretch a long way. But of course, if people have food at home that they want to distribute, then they can always bring it to the food bank, um, either in Santa Barbara at our Galita facility or in Santa Maria at our facility there. And, you know, we'll take fresh produce as well. Um, you know, I got an email this morning from uh, somebody who dropped by um, a few bags of lemons and said, you know, I was so inspired by what's going on at the food bank and, and what a hub of activity it is getting food out to everyone. So it's, it's inspiring for people to be involved directly with food as well as giving money. You're so listening to you're listening to Money Talk uh, on AM 1290 KZSB and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. Peekaboo, peekaboo, smile. Smile, buddy. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. <sighs> yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby, I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism, and we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at autismspeaks.org signs, or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Come on, people. Think about it. It's time to pay attention. Mortgage industry is not rocket science. Your guide to the information you can use to choose the best answers to your real estate financing questions. Join me Tuesdays at 2 p.m., 10 p.m., and Sundays at noon. Your guy in the mortgage industry, Guy Rivera. Tune in to 1290 AM, Santa Barbara News Press Radio Station. For 16 years on State and Islay. I'm Guy Rivera. All right, you're a guy in the mortgage industry. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And Diane, can I just can I just say one thing? We had a guest on a year ago. Paul Levine, um, and we talked about his then uh, newly published book. And today, 
just today, his new book, Cheetah's Game, is now available on Amazon, and it's a novel about the college admissions scam. And it, I read it. It's very funny, and I just wanted to put that plug in because it's oh. going to cheer you up if you've got nothing to do but listen to how bad the stock market is. You might as well read a funny book. Exactly. It sounds like a good, good idea, Neil. I'll have to get it on Amazon. Although they keep pushing down the uh, the what gets shipped to you, you know, so I might not get it till June. But anywho, <laughs> I we are thrilled to have with us Eric Tolkien, who is the CEO of the Food Bank for Santa Barbara County, and talking about um, their days of supplies of food is down to thirteen. What is your average day? How, how what's your average going forward that you usually have on hand for food, Eric? Um. Well, we normally have at least a month's worth of food. Um, we actually had uh, quite a bit of food on hand because uh, we did receive additional USDA food um, just past the end of the year um, because of uh, trade mitigation, whereby you know funds were paid to farmers and then more USDA food came out as a result of that. So we actually had a decent store. It's just we burned through that so quickly. I mean, there's so many people now getting food from the food bank who, you know, had just never considered the possibility of needing that before. So it's a kind of an education to people that the food bank is, is really is a bank. You know, you pay into it when times are good and you want to help other people. And then when times are bad, then you have to take a withdrawal from that bank as well. Now, how, how have, have you seen this crisis differ from other crises, crises like you know, Hurricane Katrina or Sandy or even our local, you know, uh, debris flow. What what differences are you seeing here versus um, with those previous crises? Well, when I first joined the food bank, uh, I joined in 2008, which is a year which obviously rings bells for you folks. Um, so that was a time of significant depression. And that is probably most similar to what we're experiencing now. But there's a kind of like a layer of public health disaster smeared on top of that. So, I mean, for us currently, uh, you know, the virus is not the enemy, it's unemployment in terms of the, the serious, serious effects that it's gonna bring over the coming months. You know, what's interesting is the, uh, uh, some of the charities I read about yesterday uh, that, you know, provide clothing uh, and the Salvation Army type of charities, Goodwill Industries have had a layoff a lot of their people uh, because of the economic crisis. And it's, it would seem to me that your not-for-profit is one of the few that I would imagine don't have to lay off people. You probably, if anything, need more people. Sure, yes. I mean, we have hired on a um, significant number of temp staff, um, as well as utilizing the National Guard and, and lots and lots of local volunteers. Um, so, yeah, there is a you know, we don't like to be this busy, but uh, that's the reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. So if somebody out there is looking to volunteer, what would be the process for them to go? Who should they contact? What should they do? Well, they should just go to our website, um, foodbanksbc, as in Santa Barbara County, dot org. Uh, and then they can, it's very easy on the splash page. It'll give you the opportunity of either getting food help or um, volunteering. Um, so we have a lot of volunteers who are acting as drivers, so they will drive food to seniors who are, you know, isolated or else to drop off food for families who've been instructed by the county public health to shelter in place um, or self-isolate because of possible connection to the virus. So we're keeping all our volunteers safe uh, in terms of how we operate. But, yeah, we certainly need help in that area. We also have started a new program that we're very excited about, um, which is a re restaurant partnership program. So it's an opportunity for us to purchase meals from restaurants. Um, so these are prepared meals that would be brought home in containers. And so we buy them and that keeps restaurants um, able to employ people. And then we distribute those meals to those um, vulnerable populations and seniors who are stuck at home. So it allows us to kind of do two good things with one uh, investment of money. So we're exciting, excited about trying to grow that program over the coming months. You know, if you look at if you look at that initiative and you think about the future, uh, you may end up with uh, more uh, tricks in your in your in your bag uh, and more things to do because. Uh, 
a lot of these new initiatives may this may be something that you can continue doing. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly, you know, like if we look at past pandemics, you know, positive things have come out of them. Uh, people need something like this to point out the obvious things that people need to do. So we certainly view, um, you know, a focus on food as a way of um, redevelopment and reconstruction in Santa Barbara County. It's the natural resource we have here. We'd like to play our part in that. Um, but yeah, we see a lot of opportunities also for uh, an, a distribution network to seniors, et cetera, at their homes to be something positive that could come out of this. Because in the past, um, there's been very poor uh, distribution to seniors. We don't really have a big Meals on Wheels operation here in Santa Barbara County. So it's a real opportunity for us to build something stronger that will last. And so for, um, for people out there who have, let's say, a orange tree or a lemon tree, what do they do with the produce if they want to give it to you? Uh, well, they collect that produce together um, or they get a friend to go up a tree and get it down. If there's small amounts of produce, then it's, effect it's most effective for that person to collect the produce and then bring it to the food bank anytime between 7.30 and 3.30, Monday to Friday, uh, at either of our facilities, uh, and we can take and utilize that food. Uh, I mean, over half of the food that we distribute is fresh produce anyway, so that's a big focal point for us. And now, are you still running your program? I know that you have a great program out there that um, allows families to sign up to go and pick produce on, on larger, um, larger orchards, if you would. Um, is that still in operation? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, that's called the Backyard Bounty Program. Uh, and as you say, it does allow volunteers to go out and pick. It's a great way for companies together or families. Um, currently, we've su suspended the program at the moment uh, just because of the, you know, the public health implications of getting people together. Um, but we do hope to be starting it up again very soon. But that shouldn't stop people from if they have produce of getting it together and then getting it to us. And, you know, is there a diff is there a specific food that you're lacking right now that if the com community could come together and, and donate, you know, uh, like well, I think the, Sure. I mean, the first rule of uh, food donation is don't donate something you wouldn't eat yourself. Um, so, you know, rather than just using it as an opportunity to clear out stuff that's, you know, been rotting in the back of your cupboard, not literally, but sitting there, then go for key, um, you know, superfood type items, uh, protein based items, um, you know, the canned chicken, tuna, etc., cetera, uh, pastas, rices, pulses, sauces, um, things that you could use to, to make a nutritious meal. And again, if there's certainly lists on our website that help guide people about what they might donate. So, 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 so just, just stepping back a second, mm -hmm. um, you did not spend your whole life in, in this, in this, uh, in this business. You have had a whole history. How did you get involved in, uh, in the, in the, uh, food bank, uh, area? Well, um, you know, by a series of occurrences, um, in my past, I was a filmmaker and a script writer, uh, came to Hollywood to make that, uh, to get a house by the pool and with a palm tree. And um, so I'm still working on that one. But um, I got oh, involved. On, you're being too modest. You wrote, you won an International Television Association Award for writing and directing a best educational drama. Well, that, they didn't give that's me That's more a, than just, you They know. didn't give me a swimming pool and a, a palm tree. But, <laughs> um, a palm tree by your house. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I write more for children now. I have a children's book coming out um, in September, actually, about the issue of hunger in the classroom. Um, so that's a kind of focal area for me. But, um, you know, when I came to Santa Barbara, you know, I, I discovered how well-developed the nonprofit area was here, that there were a lot of jobs in this field, uh, whereas I had been brought up in England and... At that point, uh, the state, you know, was much more responsible for social service provision uh, than it was here. So, you know, I was involved in various nonprofits, uh, and then, you know, I discovered about the food bank, and and to me, that was an opportunity to work on the type of nutritional education programs that will help uh, children grow into healthy adults. So that was something that I wanted to try and develop countywide. Now, are you involved in the in the um 
food distribution for schools. I know that the Santa Barbara Unified School District was struggling with the call to shut schools or close schools because one in five children in the county get their primary food through the educational system. Is the food bank uh, a partner with with Santa Barbara County Unified or? Yeah, I mean, we're in discussion with them currently about trying to supplement, uh, if people come for meals, being able to bring, bring groceries home with them. Um, but we see an, an increasing partnership and challenge, you know, in the summer when the school is going to be closed anyway, um, of how do we provide for those kids during the summer month. Typically, we have run a program called Picnic in the Park, where we have a lot of um, lunches available in parks um, around the county. But I mean, you know, in our current situation, people are not going to want to congregate in a park to get lunch. So we're looking at new ways of making that food available. Right, because I know at one point you were also at the um, downtown library distributing yeah. meals as well. And, you know, what's interesting is that the library, for anybody out there that wants a book, they're now delivering the books. So it might be a um, an interesting partnership there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, we are going to be distributing some children's books and educational materials within some of our food bo- uh, food boxes. Um, there's a foundation called the Ella Fitzgerald Foundation, um, started by the singer that specializes in children's liter- uh, literacy. And we've been speaking with them about doing some distributions because obviously a lot of families are stuck at home and to get some additional books and materials would be helpful for them. Absolutely. So books, books and food are, are, are a great um, partnership. Yeah. Uh, so while, now- we were, while we were talking, uh, I happened to have my computer on and... Uh, a, a full a uh, email came through uh, talking about all your volunteers and how happy they are to be you know, a lot of smiling faces all right uh, so very nice um, uh, email blast uh, asking for donations and talking about how happy the volunteers are to be able to do what they're doing yeah great yeah well I think it's really important that as people are at home, kind of stuck in this groundhog day of doing the same thing over and over again, that feeling that purpose of giving back to a need that's just so great, not only in our individual communities, but in the, in the nation and the world as a whole. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus... Save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food, because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behaviour through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food, cha-ching! And $1,500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food, cha-ching! You're promoted! Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food, cha-ching! You're promoted! Check out my braces. So, when you hear this sound, rethink your behaviour. Cook it. Store it, share it, just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Welcome 
Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. And if you're just joining us, we have Eric Talkin, the CEO for the Food Bank of Santa Barbara County. And, um, you know, Eric, Feeding America, the nation's largest network of food banks, which Santa Barbara County is, is a member of, and has more than 200 affiliates, has a projected budget shortfall in the next six months of $1.4 billion alone. How, how are we working to bridge that gap? Well, we're working on the state level and on the federal level um, to try and get more funds um, devoted to this. Um, so within California, uh, Governor Newsom will be doing a new kind of statement of budget, budgetary focus at the beginning of May. And so we are advocating to have more money going directly to food banks for that purpose. Um, we're also reaching out at the city level for more money through community development block grants. Um, and then just trying to get more stimulus money uh, in, the, in the next round of stimulus after this one to just more money for food banks because there's such a direct investment in people's well-being. So we're, we're trying, we're shaking every tree in town. Now, with the, the stimulus that just the CARES Act, was, were there any provisions for food banks in general? Yes, there was some uh, provision in the form of TFAP, which is a form of emergency food boxes. Um, so that's the good news. The bad news is that none of that will be available before July. So, you know, these are the kind of critical months that we're really trying to fill that stop gap uh, before more food is available through the CARES Act. I guess one of the benefits that Santa Barbara has versus so many other cities is that trucking seems to be one of the limiting factors in getting anything these days. But I would imagine because of our location, uh, trucking is not as an important uh, restraint on getting deliveries. Or is that not true? Um, well, on a, on a regional level, it is a problem because, you know, people want to zoom up and down the 101 and, and they want to stop in L.A. or San Francisco or they don't necessarily want to stop off here. Um, and it, it is a problem in terms of the distribution network is pretty snagged on the national level. So although we've spent $250,000 in the last few weeks on food, we have not received all of that food yet and we will not receive it for, for two or three weeks at least. So there's a huge um, activity in the food world. Unless your orders are gigantic, then you get bumped down the, the priority level. So it's, you know, it's a pretty hectic uh, market out there. And how, how big a budget are you talking about? What is, what is the food bank's budget for, the, for a year? Uh, typically, our annual budget is about $4.2 million of the cash budget and then about $11 million, which represents the in-kind uh, food budget of food passing, the value of food passing through us. Um, but, you know, that budget this year will be kind of a line will be drawn through it. And I'm sure it'll be probably 50 to 75 percent more than that. And the four million dollars, how, how does that get raised? Is that all individual donations or some of it government grants? Well, the largest amount does come from individuals within the community. I mean, the strength of food banks are the wide number of donors. So we have over 6,000 donors in the Santa Barbara County area. Uh, in fact, we've got 700 new donors as a result of this, what's happening now. Um, so the majority of our money does come from individual donors, um, from major gifts, uh, and then from local foundations. We get very modest amounts of money um, from the, the state or the, the county um, and, you know, we're not funded by the federal government. They might provide some funds to actually handle some of the food that they're giving, but we don't get large grants from them. Now, is the cost of trucking the um, food included in the price or is that something over and above you have you have to pay over and above the cost of the food? Uh, it depends what the source is. Uh, you know, obviously, if we're getting something donated, then we are paying the trucking uh, if we're purchasing from a large uh, wholesaler, then they may the the trucking may be um, baked in. But I mean, trucking is a hugely stretched area at the moment. Everybody is trying to put something on a truck and send it somewhere else. So it's 
quite quite challenged at the moment. You know, it's interesting talking to you. When I used to think of the food bank, I, I had no idea that you operate sort of like direct relief uh, in terms of logistics and uh, some of the more sophisticated aspects of business. You're not simply standing on uh, in, in a parking lot handing out food. To, to get the food here requires a, a sophistication that uh, many of us didn't realize. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, the food bank is a huge logistics operation. Uh, you know, that is bringing in 10, 11 million uh, on a quiet year of pounds of food and distributing it around the, the county. So how do you think your background as a filmmaker actually has helped you figure out the logistics side of the, of the business? Well, I'm the first one to say that um, when it comes to trucks and warehouses, um, I'm not your guy. Um, I think my role is to... Uh, inspire people within the organization to tell the story of what we're doing uh, out in the community, uh, to raise funds on the back of that, uh, and really just to get people excited about the possibility of a food bank being there in the community to look after everyone in the community. Um, so it's a really important thing psychologically for people to feel that we can take care of all our families and children and seniors in the county. Um, so it's an important thing for people to, to want to engage with. You're listening, you're, you're listening to Money Talk on the Santa Barbara News Press Station. And believe it or not, we'll be right back with our final segment. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the KellyMarshTeam.com or call Call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, hon. What you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Eric, tell us what lessons the Food Bank has learned and, and what things you'd like to see in the future so that we can be better prepared for something like this coming down the pike again. Sure. I mean, within our organization, we had learned quite a lot of lessons from the Thomas disaster. Uh, which obviously was tiny compared to this. But, um, you know, as soon as things began to hit, we, you know, very aggressively went out and, and got more warehouse space, uh, brought more uh, employees and volunteers on, uh, and really focused on areas where we saw staff had burnt out during the Thomas disaster, such in, as in marketing and communications and getting the word out. So we really tried to prepare in that way. Um, but I think in terms of lessons learned, um, there just needs to be a stronger federal safety net there for people who need food assistance. Uh, it's such a basic thing. 
um, so that we can draw on those that food during situations like this. But, you know, I think as we were talking about in the break there, a really key thing is for us to realize that, you know, the sprint is over. We've begun the marathon now, which is really about how do we make sure that people, once they've spent their stimulus money, once they've realized how little they're getting uh, past the initial burst on unemployment benefit, how do we help those people, you know, get by on a weekly and a monthly basis? What additional food do they need? So we're really looking at this as something that is going to be for at least eight months going forward from here. I think we discovered during the Thomas disaster that even, um, say, somebody working in a restaurant who had um, had their wages cut for two weeks, uh, the ripple effects of that two-week loss of income lasted for 18 months. So I think we're going to see some huge you know, ongoing challenges here. And I think actually the, the need for food is currently depressed. Uh, artificially by people's concern about not wanting to go out and get that food. And I think once we do have more uh, testing and once we have more contact tracing, then we're going to see a large uh, increase that's going to sit there for several months um, because until people really get back to work successfully and that there is a job-based um, recovery rather than a jobless recovery. So how, can you share with us how, if you have a friend or if you need um, help, how they should go about um, um, reaching out to get qualified to be part of the food bank food decision? Sure. I mean, you know, we want to help everyone out there who needs help. Um, it's a pretty painless process. Um, you can call up 211, which is the local help number, and you can say that you need food support and you say what area you live in. Uh, you can be directed to one of our 50 safe food pantry sites. Uh, and if you're a senior, you can see about getting a home delivery of food. So it's there, 211, or you can always go on the food bank's website uh, or contact us as well. And what about those people listening that are, are moved to want to donate either food or, um, or dollars? What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, again, they can go on the website. Um, there's ways of donating online. They can um, they can drop me an email, etalkin at foodbanksbc.org. They can reach out to us. Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking at the best way that we can invest people's money so that it's not just food now, but that we can utilize that money to really help people get on their feet over a longer period of time uh, and invest more in the food economy in Santa Barbara County. And, and so, you know, in, in wrapping up, it, just to kind of uh, recap, you, you can find out all the information that we need off the foodbanksSBCforSantaBarbaraCounty.org, where you can look to volunteer, you can look if you need help to, to reach out. Um, you know, what, what should people do to prepare for themselves at this point in terms of food um, at any specific advice for people out there? Well, actually, we uh, on our website, we have a couple of really good articles and links to podcasts that talk about what are the type of foods that you should keep on, on, you know, on hand and what's worth buying and what isn't worth buying. Uh, so I think there's a lot of information there for people to really feel that they have food on hand. I mean, I think we're reasonably confident that um, you know, there's not going to be an interruption to the food supply within Santa Barbara County. Um, you know, even though we have challenges getting certain items at the moment, those are not long-term problems. Uh, the problem that people are facing is their ability to, to pay for those items. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for, for all you do. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you next week. It's 3.30. 